Welcome to the Sisters of Resistance podcast for the week of August the 16th, 2019. The speakers on this podcast sometimes use bad words, and so listener discretion is advised. And find us on Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, and Apple iTunes at Sisters of Resistance, all one word. And then find us on Sisters of Resistance on Facebook and email us at Sisters of Resistance 3 at gmail.com. I'm joined by my sister Franny McIntyre and the delightful pleasure of having our nephew, my godson, Mac Sundin, who was with us last week. And we have the pleasure of having him with us again. So, Mac, it's great how to are be you? here. Welcome, awesome. Mac. Welcome, Mac. Welcome, it, Mac. An thank honorary you for inviting sister. me back. Yes, you're, uh, well, we're thrilled to have you here. And um, Franny, how are you today? I'm just fine. I'm just fine. I'm very interested to find out. Um, Mac brings us some special expertise, doesn't he, Ridge? Yes, he does. And, and that's why he's on the, on the call today. So we wanted to talk about all things Hong Kong. What in the bloody hell is going on over there? As I just said to Mac a few minutes ago, I like to just throw everything in a big ball. And between Taiwan, Beijing, and Hong Kong, it's all, uh, it's all Greek to me, as they say. So I'm interested in sorting all that out. And I say, hey, let's buy Greenland. What do you say? <laughs> let's buy Greenland. Ah, we can put yeah. a wall around it. Uh, we can put a yeah. wall around it. Yeah. Uh, all, of its, all of its good minerals and clean water and whatever else. All. I, so oh. can, I ask, can I ask Mac? Mac, are you familiar with that airport? I've, <clears throat> I've been through it twice mm -hmm. um, on the way to Beijing. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. airport. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been hard not to hear about Hong Kong in the news the past few weeks. Mm -hmm. And it, the whole situation reached a, a type of climax uh, this week where the Hong Kong protesters uh, seized a Chinese national in the airport. Mm. And you, you've probably seen the pictures. They tied him up and they commenced to beat him and it was all you know uh things got a little out of hand I, I think a lot of people are wondering how did we get to this point yeah so there's actually a very as with most things a very long history mm. to it all and hong kong story is really a story it's i think it, it is the story of imperialism um Hong Kong, of course, it's an island off of southern China. Um, it's been part of, it became part of Great Britain in 1842 after Great Britain defeated China in the first Opium War. And it was one of the concessions of China. So after China was defeated, it was defeated pretty quickly given uh, Great Britain's advanced military, military weapons. Um, it was one of the concessions that the British demanded in the Treaty of Nanjing. And so they were given Hong Kong, which at the time was just an island with a small uh, little sea, seaport in it. Um, so it's been part of Great Britain for a long time. And as time went on, um, it started to develop and became, slowly became you know, the economic powerhouse that it is today. Um, so you can see from the beginning, it's been, it's had a different, it's, it's after 1842, Hong Kong felt, followed a different path developmentally being under British rule. So it was mm -hmm. Chinese, of course, 
in Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese, which is a dialect spoken in Southern China, not Mandarin. Um, so it's under British rule. In the late 1800s, Great Britain agreed to return Hong Kong to mainland China in 1997. So there's an agreement that it would be handed back over. Um, now, as we got close to that date in 19, so we have to get close to 1997, uh, the prime minister, so about the 1980s, the prime minister at the time, Margaret Thatcher, from her we've all, I'm sure you've all heard of, she <laughs> actually tried, you know, I think Great Britain started to get cold feet and knowing uh, really the economic asset that Hong Kong was, tried to negotiate again with China to extend the deadline. And the uh, leader at the time, Deng Xiaoping, said, well, you know, we can just take Hong Kong if we wanted to. And Margaret Thatcher said, well, if you do, you know, the world will have its eyes on you and will um, admonish you for that, which is kind of funny of, you know, Great Britain accusing someone else of being imperialist. Colonialism. You know, it's very, you know, it's, 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 you know, uh, the irony is not lost there. But anyway, uh, they stuck tight to 1997 deadline. And so it was handed over quite peacefully. And um, the idea was it's the one country, two systems that China would take um, administrative control of Hong Kong in many aspects, but would also leave some local powers. So it'd be like, a, kind of like a, it would be, it's called a special district. So there was the promise that they could um, still maintain their kind of free market, capitalistic, economic style and that they could continue to, they could elect their leaders. And so this was going, it was, you know, going fine for a while. Um, back in 2014, you know, there was another, there was a, uh, a can I ask, can I where, ask a question, yeah. Matt, before you go uh -huh. too much further ahead? Is this very interesting to me? Um, can you tell me when Britain took over Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. uh, did they take it subject to a lease that was like for a hundred years? And what, why were they under pressure to turn it back over in 1897? The lease happened, so the, the, they, they took control. The lease was agreed upon in uh, 18, 1898. I see. So, so the they, agreement they was for a hundred years. They would have another, yeah. I see, I see. They and they thought over. that would go on forever, of course. Mm -hmm. All right. And then um, wh why was there any expectation that they would be able to preserve democracy in that little island? You know, what was Britain was, thinking? I mean, you know, these are all agreements made on paper. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, so the issues have kind of grown slowly. So, you know, a few years back, um, mainland China said that Hong Kong could still elect the leaders, but only from a list of approved candidates. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was, so, you know, these changes have been incremental, kind of encroachments upon Hong Kong's uh, autonomy. And then, of course, the, the, the major blow occurred this year when, um, with the extradition laws, they're saying that anyone in Hong Kong could be, you know, could be extradited to mainland China to be tried. And so very vague and people are, you know, oh, are they going, is this, this is how China's going to um, take care of political dissidents. You know, there's a lot of mm. kind of gray area there that they could obviously, um, the citizens of Hong Kong were worried about, and so that is what led to these protests, um, which up until this week had been well, you know, well, relatively peaceful on the part of the protests. Of course, you see images of the police firing tear gas and everything. Um, but 
it was back in July, I believe, that Carrie Lam, who was the, um, you know, call, you know, the, the executive, they call the, mm-hmm. the leader of Hong Kong, said that the bill was dead. It were her words, that the bill is dead. And many people thought that that would put it into the protest. So she said that the bill will no longer be pr- pursued. However, it has not been officially withdrawn, mm-hmm. which is what. So she said it's dead, it's not happening, but it's never been officially withdrawn. So that's mm-hmm. why there's this continued um, drive for protest. And so you can see it's a long history that has led up to this moment. It's, it's, it's an amazingly long history, um, Mac, with, with you know, what must have been very rosy expectations back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in actual practical reality, practical reality now, you see um, how could have they have anticipated that um, mainland China would permit uh, uh, Hong Kong to maintain um, you know, democracy, democratic principles and democratic, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what they agreed to do. That's what they should, you know, main, the mainland really needs to follow through the, with that original agreement of 1997, I guess. That's really the, the mm-hmm. moral obligation, right? Right. And they would um, probably, they would argue that, oh, we are because they're still allowed to vote, of course, only from a list of approved candidates. And Mac, how geographically, where is Hong Kong relative to mainland China? It is, so it's on a, it's, a, it's, 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 a island right off the coast of southern China. Uh huh. And you can get there by by boat or whatever, or I believe yes. Okay. There may yeah. Uh huh. It's um, very very close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh. so Mac, is it? Can you help us get you know sort of paint a little picture for us? Uh, Hong Kong is really like the economic engine of China and that whole area between the it's airport been- everything else and the and basically capitalism there. Is that right? It's interesting. It's a very interesting question. Um, no doubt, Hong Kong is still an economic powerhouse. It's, you know, um, when it was handed over, when it was handed back to mainland China, it was kind of this. You could call it this outlier. It was this, you know, free the city built on free market economics, um, international trade. Since then, you can almost argue that the rest of China has become pretty capitalistic mm, in an economic really. sense. That you know, Shanghai, Beijing, you know, uh, although they are still a communist country in name, and you could say politically they are, economically that's you know they pretty much uh, dived headfirst into the yeah. How do you square that motto. circle? How do you square that? How do they square that oh, circle? There makes- are oh, well, there are there are <laughs> dissertations and books written on that, <laughs> but I guess you know the idea is that officially it is you know capitalistic with Chinese characteristics. Idea is that it has. The official would be that it has, they've opened up the market. Now, of course, it's not completely free market because a lot of industries are still, um, and this, you know, this comes into the controversy with, with Huawei. Yeah. You know, how there are still many companies that are supported by the government or have strong ties to the government. So it's not in any way completely capitalistic. However, there are many, it has become much more capitalistic. So I just, I just said, uh-huh, like I understood that I knew what, what that Huawei was about. So give me a, Give me a thumbnail. That's the telecom that. company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the issue, you know, they are developing the, the 5G technology. Yes, yeah, okay, yes, so, yes, right. yes, the security measures. The security, their phones are very popular, not just in, in mainland China, but around the world. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, And to the question, are there any security issues? And they're the ones, they can, they can you know, they're trying to, I think, corner the market on the 5G technology. Mm-hmm. which is really what the future is going to be. 
And I, you know, the, the question is, are there security issues? Okay. You know, everything's produced by them. And if, because if, 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 as you know, if someone could, you know, if, if, if a, a country could control the worldwide internet or disrupt it, that would be very chaotic. So there's, you know, there's a lot, there's fear there too. So I mean, sure. it's really building tensions. And it's been interesting <laughs> seeing Trump, you know, I think he's, he's doing nothing. Tweets saying, you know, oh, stay safe. Yeah. Um, Thanks, asshole. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, sort of what are, Mac, what are the, uh, what are the ages of the, the overall ages of the, uh, of the, of the, um, the protesters are they kids is it a mixed bag what it started off with a lot of students and most of these protests have been started by students however it has become quite diverse uh -huh. recently in terms of age occupation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'd say it's all across the board now and is and there is there any hope mac that they will in fact pull that bill or what are they what do you think what are your thoughts on it so i think that i mean they're at a bit of an impasse and i i i i believe the um, violence that occurred yeah. has probably is going, had a negative effect. And I think maybe some more moderate, moderate protesters may say, oh, this has gone too far and decide to scale it back. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, the bill, as it's used, the Carrie Lamb's words is dead. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. it's not been withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So for this year, at least, I think it's, but I, I, there's no question that this is, this issue is not going away. Well, what I, what I, what I was impressed with and what I liked, and I think Franny, you, you, you mentioned this is how, how they went, the airport, the airport stopped everything. When they protested at the airport, that all, everything just slowed right down. And I think, frankly, that's what we got to do in this country in order to, you know, get get our points across about what right. is going on down here. What are your thoughts on that, friend? Well, I think we want to be really careful about saying that. Frankly, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. When you look back to what happened when it was the government shutdown, and mm -hmm. there was that complete logjam, um, right. and then when the TSA agents began to slow down and not go into work and kind of stop air traffic, is when you got the president's attention and the whole country's attention and things turned around really fast. Right. I mean, there really is just a, such a, a paralyzing, it's, it's such an important force, transportation, and how completely it paralyzes people and business and, 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 and everything that is active in the world, basically, mm -hmm. to shut down that airport was very effective. So I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. It's just what a tremendous place to put the pressure is on the airport because it just yeah. stops everything. And, uh, and it also has the eyes of the world on this protest. And, right. and as I, I'd be interested in, in Max's comment on it, but I understand that uh, Xi Ping, and I'm probably saying it wrong, but is very worried about having people's memories of what, of what happened at the Hong Kong airport get somehow associated with what happened in Tiananmen Square. Mm. Um, the horrible brutality that was there, so he's very careful. But you know the eyes of the world and the and the uh, the travelers and everybody around that airport. It really does create enormous pressure, I think, on the mainland um, China government. You know, and I think I think I'm I'm wondering if this is basically above Trump's pay grade. I mean, he doesn't have the mental capacity to take it in because certainly President Obama would have made a statement or done something, and it just seems like there's nothing going on there in uh, from the White House. 
Well, it's a little bit dicey in that the, uh, you know, Beijing is, is basically blaming the demonstrations on the U.S. Oh, and yes, so, that's right. That's right. So yeah. if Trump comes out, you know, too supportive of the demonstrations, that just feeds into the Chinese propaganda. Good point. Um, on the other hand, and, and he can't raise expectations that the U.S. military is going to go in and, and bail them out. And, right. and as I see it, they're, they're waving U.S. flags and basically aspiring to American democracy. Um, but it's really, it's more generic. Their intention is really more generic than, than that. So, I mean, I, you know, he's I got this a, di a dicey kind of road there. That's but, a good you know, point. Is anybody, you know, not capable of doing anything with any subtlety and nuance? It's him. <laughs> Um, but, you know, to get back to Reggie's point about the power of that transportation hub to stop everything cold, um, I was uh, impressed to see today, Mac, that uh, mm -hmm. his name Robert Hogg is the president of Cathay Pacific Airlines, has resigned, um, mm. basically acknowledging the degree of pressure that's being brought by mainland China upon what is apparently the, the biggest um, uh, and best airline serving Hong Kong. Are you familiar with that airline, Mac, at all? I, I've, I've, actually, I've taken it before. Yeah. I took and, it. Mm -hmm, yes, very, uh, very good service. Did you Did you see what it is? What the What What it is the uh, that I happened today? Okay, so today apparently, and and all along, of course, uh, mainland China has been trying to cause Cathay Pacific to discipline its employees that participated in the protest, and so it, it, what it, the way it turned out was that. Um, Beijing insisted that uh, employees who, were, who had participated not be permitted to fly into mainland China or fly over mainland China, which puts a lot of people out of work. And amongst other things, demonstrates to people in Hong Kong the extraordinary impact that can be had if they participate in these protests. Just call it a mm. chilling effect, mm -hmm. you know, is to very, you know, greatly understate it. Um, and then today, Robert Hogg, resigns as the CEO um, of Cathay Pacific. And so, uh, you know, it kind of hangs his head and walks off the stage, you know, raising the question about, you know, U.S. Uh, and, and other uh, corporations participating in, in businesses that do, uh, you know, engage with the Chinese mainland and how they are forced by the Chinese mainland. And there are other examples that you may know of, Mac, like Google, mm -hmm and some others where they're forced to, you know, uh, clip, clip their wings, forgive my um, metaphor, um, in order to continue to participate with the Chinese to not offend the Chinese and Cathay Pacific is the latest example of that. Very unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, money uh, talks. And, and, and money is what, you know, as they're saying in the comments today, you know, dollars are more important than ethics and conscience uh, yeah, in terms of, of, of how they're approaching these kinds of things. Um, but, you know, can we ask Mac, just as much as you feel appropriate it is to say, you know, we know, we know, Reggie and I know that you follow these issues because you're a Chinese scholar, but you have lived in China for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I, I've lived in, in, I've been to mainland China many times, and then I lived in Taiwan for four years. Mm. And, 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 so. and have an advanced degree. Um, in Chinese literature, I mean, East Asian literature, is that correct? Uh, Chinese literature, yes, a master's yes. in Chinese literature. And, and I'm fluent in both Mandarin and Cantonese, uh, as well as... Mandarin, I know a little Cantonese. Um, but if we dropped yeah. you in Hong Kong, you'd be able to function just fine, I bet. Get by. 
and then, <laughs> then that's an issue. I mean, they've been the mainland Chinese government's also been promoting the use of Mandarin over Cantonese in Hong Kong. So that's another separate issue. That's another so see, simmering issue, right? Mm -hmm. But um, yes, no, I've been spent many much time um, over there. Um, I very just, interesting. Man. And I'd also, Mac, if you could uh, explain where you're, where you are in terms of your career. I know that you're, you're teaching. Tell us, flush that out a little bit out for, for our audience so that they know who they're dealing with. As, as much as you're comfortable with a worldwide as much as audience. You're comfortable, yes, Mac, of, of 23 people. <laughs> <laughs> most, um, of, most of whom are related or close friends. Yes, really. <laughs> so I currently, I work at a um, female boarding school Yep. in upstate New York, Great. where I teach Chinese and history. So I teach uh, beginning to advanced Chinese to high school students. Yeah. Um, and it's the language, but of course, you know, you can't separate language and culture. So there's also mm. a cultural component to it too. So you learn about the, you know, again, the, the two are so closely linked. So there's going to be learning about the culture. I also teach in East Asian history class, which is, you know, in the class we covered this time period, as, as I mentioned earlier, the Opium Wars, and imperialism it's in very mm -hmm. it's really it's where china marks for them the beginning of modern china modern history wow is with this the opium wars um wow. it's you know, the first major confrontation with a western power Jeez. that is so fascinating um, mac and back when you started to study chinese which was at least what, 15 years ago, nobody could quite understand it. Your grandmother certainly couldn't. And now it's obviously uh, where it's at. Um, and I don't mean to uh, name drop, but I do know that there's a, at least one female senator, U.S. senator that attended the same the school that you teach at, Max. So I just think that's awesome. Yes. And, and, and there is a very famous actress, two or three actresses, that also either, and hey, frankly, a... Um, a uh, Supreme Court uh, justice whose granddaughter attends this school. So it's quite the school, I have to we've say. We've got, I tell you, we've got, we, we're all very proud of Gillibrand. Yes, yes. And she came and spoke <laughs> to the school. Yeah, very and good. I think, no matter what, yeah, that she, it's, it's, it's an exciting moment. It's in a very school exciting moment. For women, yeah. um, there's a lot going on and very, so I think a very exciting time. And just one last thing, it just I remember is um, you also are involved in gender studies. In can you flesh a little bit out, flesh that out for us a little bit? Because I find that fascinating. Right. So, I've, it's been an issue that's been very very close to my heart yep. for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. While I was living in Taiwan, I was part of the campus LGBT organization. Yep. And so it was. Um, it was a very you know, I, 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 it, was, it was an education for me to be able to see how issues of sexual orientation and gender identity, to see them in the context of a different culture yeah. and, um, you know, how people, you know, how students were coming to grips with their own identity and with their family and cultural pressures. Mm -hmm. And it's... Um, you know, they don't have the same religious objections to, to, you know, homosexuality in East Asia because, you know, it's not, it's not a Christian 
nation. And mm. it's, you know, uh, yeah. the objection comes primarily from, you know, the idea that you know you need to be passing on your family's line, ah, you know, continuing uh -huh. the family. Sure. So anything that could compromise that is looked down upon. I see. I see. Um, but, so interesting, Mac. Yeah, very interesting to, to, to experience that in a different cultural context. That's just fascinating. What a, how lovely, you know, how just so proud of, of you and, and what you are able to accomplish and that you're able to come on with us to the, the Sisters of Resistance. I want to thank you, Mac. If you would like to stay online and, and, and finish out this, this Sisters of Resistance podcast with us, you are welcome to. I'm sure you're a busy guy and you have other things that you need to do. So you feel free to decide whatever you'd like to do. We welcome it. And I want to thank you. Well, Franny, do, you you. Wanna, do you want to thank Mac as well? I might have to, <laughs> I might have to bow out, but all it's right. really been an honor to, oh, it's been to our be here honor. again with all of you. It's us. It's us who are on it. <laughs> we are privileged, Mac, to be in your presence. Sayonara. Uh, well, best of luck. Continue the resistance. <laughs> all right. Resist. Take care. Resist. 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 See you later. Bye, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, isn't that fascinating, Fran? It's fascinating. That's great. And, uh, He's, uh, he's so incredibly articulate. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I just, I'm so can, thrilled with him. You can hear the teaching in him. You can hear the teaching yeah. in him. So what else is going on in the world, Reggie? Oh, outside of China. Oh, my God. I'm I just... Are you, in, are you in favor of appropriating Greenland, or where are you at on that? Well, I just, I, uh, first of all, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, is this 25th Amendment material here? And then, you know... Then I read some of the comments on the, on the Washington Post website and people were talking about this and that and the other thing. So I, uh, he's just nuts. And, and I, 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 I guess I really don't have an opinion. Why just, I say, let Greenland be Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. I mean, I've been hearing objections about, you know, indigenous people and he's only yeah. interested in the natural resources up yeah. there. And yeah. it's, it's not like he's doing such a fabulous job here, all right? Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> right. You know, and that he had the idea of this being something of a legacy, but be that as it yeah. may, um, yeah, no, I think that uh, I've been pretty fascinated by the, the story in China, very, you know, kind mm. of horrified about what is going to happen there. It is just such a clash right. of cultures. Um, mm -hmm. And a uh, little bit encouraged to think that Mac thinks that they uh, will kind of withdraw um, uh, the uh, the petition and everything will resolve peacefully there because it just it, it looks like a, a terrible yeah. cataclysm about to happen. Right. Um, and then you know, meanwhile, uh, last night um, uh, the Mad King was in New Hampshire. Yes, 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 yes. He so was in. He was, Mad King that? was in. Well, just uh, you know, the observation that while he was there, he was uh, really calling on Corey Lewandowski to run for Senate. He didn't quite endorse him yet because, of course. Lewandowski hasn't decided whether he's running, but it's all sort of an interesting counterpoint against the fact that Corey Lewandowski has been appeared, has been subpoenaed to appear, appear before Jeff, um, before uh, Nadler's committee on September 17th in order to answer questions. And yeah. you'll all recall that uh, Corey Lewandowski is one of the stars of the Mueller report um, where uh, Trump dictated to him a statement to bring over to Sessions telling Sessions to recuse himself and then get on the stick because all the special counsel business was very unfair to Trump. Um, and so huh. naturally Jerry Nadler and everybody on that committee want to hear more about that. And yeah. that would be a televised <laughs> hearing and it would, it yeah. would be, you know, much on the scale of the Mueller, the day of the Mueller hearing. Um, and so what I'm fascinated by is what will happen in terms of the legal 
um, objections that the um, Trump administration will bring to Corey Lewandowski, who never worked in the White House, okay. who was completely outside the White House. Oh, so great. It was just, There's you know, no, they can't, no yeah, executive they can't claim anything. privilege. They can't claim absolute Sweet. immunity by any of the normal arguments that they've made, but apparently yeah. that hasn't stopped them before from any yeah. kind of advisor somehow being drawn into the absolute immunity, whether or not they're on the White House payroll or not. So I'm kind of curious to see how that will resolve. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that Lewandowski will not appear on September 17th, um, but just exactly how they'll try to uh, you know, uh, get themselves out of it. I wish we had um, seen or heard more about what happened up in New Hampshire. I understand there were plenty of empty spaces in the in the rally and um good we understood that uh, there was somebody that had a, a placard uh that said um uh build a wall around build a wall around trump i'll pay for yes. it <laughs> and reggie oh. you saw a great uh, oh, lawn sign God. in the past couple yes. of i've got to put that on the i got to put that on the sisters of resistance i was out for my walk the other day and someone had a political sign stuck in their their the deck that overlooked um, the uh, Buzzards Bay, and it said, it was red, white, and blue, and it said, any functioning adult 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, Reggie. I thought that that's was great, hilarious. Reggie. I thought that was that's funny. That's great, Reggie. Um, one of the things I, just as you were talking, I wanted to talk about the, um, the rollbacks on the Endangered Species Act. Oh. Uh, so I, I read it. I read through a couple of times what is in essence what it all boils down to, and there's two things that it boils down to: um, uh, that spe uh, species can be either threatened, which means they're on the they're on the way to be endangered, or actually endangered. And so what they've done is that they have made it. They they've rewritten it such that the threatened. So the threatened and the endangered would be under the same category and would have the same protections. Currently and now, he's changed it so that the threatened, the threatened species do not have the same um, uh, protections as endangered. So that's the first thing. And then wow. the second thing is, is in order to put a, 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 threat, a species on the endangered list, now they are going to put, now they get to write the economic costs of doing it, uh, they're going to do a study of the economic costs of putting the ruffled grouse, uh, sage grouse, on the on the list rather than just using strictly science. So you know, once again, they just a big fuck you to the to the environment and to you know manatees and your ruffled sage grouse and your you know your sea sparrow and they're just and you mean you know it's like. Can they be any more dickish around any of this? Can they be such complete and total douchebags about everything? Do they have I mean, to be such dicks about everything? He, he couldn't do any more to make you hate him. I'm sorry. He just could yeah. not do any more to make you hate him. And I, I, it's just it's like, put us out of our misery. I can't stand it. You know, and this all came in under Zinke. Remember Ryan Zinke was part, yes, of, was yes, part yes. of the interior. And so that's what this, this falls under him. Mr. Let me ride my horse down Pennsylvania Avenue and trotted up the steps of the interior department building. Uh, you know, what an idiot. The guy that had a flag, he had his own flag he would raise when he was in town and they'd take it down when he wasn't in town. Uh, Jesus, egotistical shits, really. Um, so there was that. And then the second thing is, huh, in the New York Times, there's a fabulous articles about slavery and how slavery built this country and 
There are many articles and uh, they're essays, I should say. They're essays and they're all well-written. And, and I just started, I, I just started, I read one and I'm, I'm on to the second one. Basically saying that, you know, slaves in the, they call it the enslaved, they, you know, they produced the cotton. The cotton was shipped up to, you know, the north. The looms were built in factories. And all these white guys got rich in the process, you know, all got rich in the process. And it's still playing itself out even today. So, and just, you know, erroneous studies about, you know, African-Americans and how they physically, how they, they're different from, from Caucasians. And it just, you know, some of the stuff really makes you, makes your skin crawl, makes you, makes you sick to your stomach, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a reality. So there's that one. Huh. And then the other one was on Netflix. I'm watching this really great series. It's called Dirty Money. And yeah. it's about, um, it's like a series of um, uh, what they show on PBS, um, you know. Some exposés and scandals. Yeah, and yeah. exposés. And so the first one was about, well, the most recent one was about the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and, but there's, there's four or five of them. And now I'm watching one about the uh, drug cartels. And, uh, well, the next one actually is about the um, maple syrup mafia which is a whole thing, <laughs> but it's a great, great series and you really need to watch it. It's, it's well, awesome. Thanks, Reggie. Yeah. I'll take advantage of that suggestion. Do you have anything else for anything? That nope, that's it, Reggie. That's it for today. All right. Well, I'm going to ask Pepper. Pepper, do you have anything? Pepper says meow, no. Meow. <laughs> meow. All right. So listen, let me, um, let me say, as discussed today, Trump's vain and reckless and self-serving actions undermine the rule of law and our American way of life. And join us, the citizens of resistance. Read the Mueller report. And if you see bullshit, you call it out. And if you see racism, call it out. And so thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll get Meg back here next week. All of you that are missing her, have a great weekend. And take care and resist. Bye-bye. And resist. Thank you for listening.